I just want to say real fast, um, how many of you guys have heard X marks the spot? Raise your hand. So I've always, I'm being honest, I've always been a fan of pirate adventure stories, and they always say the treasure is X marks the spot. And I was thinking about this last night, how the world is seeking for treasure in anything and everything, and they think that they got it, that black X. And I was thinking about the shape of the cross, and when we get Jesus, he turns everything the right way. And so the Bible says, um, where your heart is, there your treasure will be. And that we should lay up treasures in heaven where moth and rust, rust don't destroy and thieves can't break in and steal it. And so it got me thinking about this song and how Jesus, once we get him, like today can be the day that you take the X of the wrong treasure and he sets it right. And he gives you the plus sign of correction. So um, if you... You've probably heard the song a million times, but if you listen to the words, um, hopefully it produces some graciousness in you. I was thinking about it and was just thankful for God and the cross. On a hill far away stood an
am I more than just the sum of every high and every low? Remind me once again just who I am because I need to
grave Your glory fills the highest place What could separate me now? You go before me You shield my today. <laughs> it's all right. I uh, kind of had a full week this week, but I want to thank God for what God's done all week. I want to thank him for his mercy and his grace through the hard times, the good times. God is still faithful, always is there, always is showing up at the right time and i give him praise and glory and you notice the tent out there that was for a wedding yesterday and it took a lot of people to make it you wouldn't have known the church yesterday if you just saw it because they they had everything fixed up but it was a beautiful wedding and i thank god for skylar and cole and i'm surprised they ain't here today but <laughs> i didn't say nothing yesterday but I wanted to tell Cole you're supposed to be here today, but he. But I praise God today. You know, I, something God said to me earlier this week that kind of set this off. You can take the boy out of the country, 
but you can't get the country out of the boy. How many's heard that before? It's an old saying. Well, God dealt with Israel the same way, just like he deals with us. You can take Israel out of Egypt, but he couldn't get to Egypt. Had a hard time getting to Egypt out of the Hebrews. They would keep returning. They would keep in their mind, everything didn't go their way. They began to go back to Egypt. That was where their mindset was. And I want to go through a little bit of that. But I want you to understand as a Christian, God's speaking to us the same way. Every bit of this Old Testament is an illustration and it leads to the same walk that we're walking today. Many Christians today in America and all across the nations, they're still got the old man in their mind. They still got the old ways in their mind. And you know what? When God saves you, he sets you free and I want you to understand something. You begin a new person. Get out of the old life. You don't belong in it. I don't care what you think you was. You're not that person no more. God brings freedom. He brings joy. He brings new life. And some of you like your old life. Well, I'm going to tell you something. When you read about what God says, you'll find out I want a life that's eternal. I want something that's pleasing in the, in the eyes of the worthy Savior that they sung about. And I thought all the songs today kind of pointed. I'm running on with Jesus just the same. Does it matter what comes or goes? And I know sometimes some of you have gone through heartaches that under, people don't understand if they've never went through it. But can I tell you, the devil is working overtime to stop you from living for God. He wants to upset your walk with him. Anything he can draw you away from that, whether it's your finances, whether it's your relationships at home, whether it's your relationship with your families, whether it's your relationships with the people at church, the enemy is working overtime to stop us being in one accord, worshiping and serving him. That's what it's about. The devil's, devil's doing a good job. You've got to give him credit. He don't quit. Well, you know what? It was a determination when God, you would think, and I want you to hear this. I want, you, I want to turn to a few different verses in the Bible, mostly are going to be in the first part of Exodus. But I want you to hear Genesis 50 and 24. There's a verse there. And it says, And Joseph said to his brethren, 50, 24, Joseph said to his brethren, his brothers, I die and God will surely visit you and bring you out of this land unto the land which he swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. How many knows God had already appointed a land that belonged to Israel? But where were they at? For 430 years, they spent all that time in Egypt. Now I want you to think about this. They kind of got used to being in Egypt. They kind of got used to, in generation after generation, of adapting to what the Egyptian rule says. And they forgot about the homeland. Every once in a while, the, ter the turmoil would get worse. Every once in a while, in your walk, you'll, tr you'll get a little bit uh, bogged down with some of the things that's going on in your life. And you'll be starting to think, maybe I shouldn't even start this path. Maybe I shouldn't even try to live for God. This doesn't work for me. I've heard it all. And so have you. But he says in Exodus, the next verse, next chapter, Exodus 1, 8 says, Now there arose a new king over Egypt, which knew not Joseph. And he said unto his people, Behold, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. And down at verse 22, Pharaoh charged his people saying, every son that is born, you shall cast him in the river, talking about the Israelite children, and every daughter you shall save alive. He's decided because the Israelites are growing so much, even in under their bondage, he's worried that if something comes up where we have an enemy attack, Israel turns on us, we'll be outnumbered. So he decides, I'm going to get rid of some of these Israelites coming up. They're just multiplying like crazy. Why was they doing that? Because God had his eye on them. 
God's doing something. God's doing something sometimes in our life, but we don't have the patience to wait. We need to keep pressing. Oh, God, help me. Oh, God, I need the deliverance. I need you to work in this situation. Whatever's going on in your family, whatever's going on in your Christian walk, listen to me. Take it to the Lord. Take it to him and ask him, God, I need you to move on this. This is not right. We're not in the right place where you want us to be. Help us, Lord. And that's where Israel was. And I'm going to skip all the way down to Exodus 12. I want you to look at the end of Exodus 12 around verse 40. Now the sojourning of the children of Israel who dwelt in Egypt was 430 years. And it came to pass at the end of the 430 years, even the selfsame day, it came to pass that all the host of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt. It is a night to be much observed unto the Lord. For bringing them out from the land of Egypt, this is the night of the Lord to be observed of, the, of all the children of Israel in their generation. How many knows it was a special time? They'd been in bondage all that time. Why were they in bondage? Because they had sinned. They were taken to a place where God was working his plan in them. And God's trying to draw them out. And he's going to make them his people. And he's going to take them to where they belong in the promised land. How many knows and remembers the night you got saved? The day you got saved. How many knows it was a great change went on? It's the day we sing about. It's the day that we know God forgave us. He brought us life. He opened our eyes to see what we couldn't see before. He set us free from those bonds of the things that we had done. The sins were taken off. They were let go. God had set us free. He made us one of his. But how many's walked perfect from that day forward? How many's did everything God wanted you to from then? No, we haven't. But he wants you to remember the day that the Lord saved me, Betty Saints. I remember the day. I haven't done everything right. I haven't done everything like I should. But God's been so gracious to me, he's led me along. Look at the next chapter, Exodus 13. I want you to look at verse 20. And they took their journey from Sukkoth and encamped in Etham in the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them by, but by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them the way. And by night, a pillar of fire to give them light to go by day and night. He took not away the pillar of the cloud by day, nor the pillar of the fire by night from before the people. How many hears that? The Lord will lead you. Listen to me, Christian. That's where a lot of us are leaving off. We think we can go back and serve God our way, but you've got to understand when he set you free, he set you free to follow him. He's delivered you from yesterday that you'll be a child of God. And that means I want to go where God wants me to go. If it's church time, I want to be in the house of God. If somebody's teaching or preaching or singing the gospel, I want to be there. And now my family will tell you, I got uh, six other siblings. And I can tell you, every one of them will tell you, Pop was looking, my dad was looking for the next revival somewhere. If it wasn't at his church, he'd go to another church, but he wanted to be around the presence of God. And that was something he showed every one of us. But I can tell you, there's nothing more special than when the presence of God shows up in the room. There's nothing more sweeter, nothing more, more precious to you personally, because the very God that brings that presence is dwelling inside of us. And when he shows up, he excites me. When he moves on his soul, it humbles me. I remember the times of falling on my face and asking God to forgive me. I remember the times of falling on my face and asking God to heal somebody or to 
or to move in a situation. That's the God we serve. So we, we don't have to be ashamed to come to the altar. The altar is ours to come to, to come to him. And we should pray and seek God for each other. I wrote down to the side of this, the Lord, Christian, the Lord not only delivers you, but he goes before you. Now I want you to look at Exodus 14, verse 10. But at the first, listen to me, but at the first sign of trouble, listen to me, God delivered them out of Egypt. They had been set free by a mighty hand of God. God had to move mountains to get them out of Israel, out of the hands of the Pharaoh. And he moved and brought them out of there after all them years. But at the first sign of trouble, what happens? Listen to this in the 14th. Verse 10, it said, When Pharaoh drew near, and the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them, and they were sore afraid, and the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, and they said unto Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, hast thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? Wherefore hast thou dealt with us, or why have thou dealt with us this way? To carry us forth out of Egypt, is not this the word that we did tell thee in Egypt, saying, let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. Already, the first opposition, the first thing come after God had delivered them, here they see the army of Egyptians coming and they waited. Uh, Pharaoh saw they were they went to a place where they were pinned against the water and they were pinned against the, the desert. They had nowhere to go. And he came against them. And when he came against them, what did they start thinking about? We should have stayed in Egypt. Listen to me, Christian. I'll tell you right now, the devil's going to fight you. And he's fighting America right now. And he's fighting our leaders, but our leaders are buckling to it. They're trying to work it out themselves, and they cannot do it. Until they turn to God, it will not work out. And it won't work out in you either. Won't work out in your family. Until you turn it to God. There's not enough money to fix the problem. There's not enough uh, uh, psychology to fix your problem. Not enough books wrote. Man can't do it. It's a God job. Okay, Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show. And the Lord shall fight your, for you, and you shall hold your peace. Now Moses was pretty patient that time. Hold your peace. More or less, shut up whining. Already he's telling them, quit whining. God brought you out of there. I promise you he can take care of you. And he can take care of any enemy you've got coming against you. Now look at, I'm going to skip some of this. 15, let's go to 16.2. And the whole congregation of, children, of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said unto them, Would to God we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the flesh pots. And when we did eat bread to the full, for you have brought us forth into the, this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. They didn't, they didn't like the manna. Wasn't nothing good enough. Every step they took, what did they do? Every time something come up, they looked back. Did they really think, walking, did you, did you imagine? Moses is trying to tell them, don't worry, God's going to take care of it. And you know what he's trying to say? There's not going to be a Kroger's down the road. There's not going to be something to get your supplies. No, God will do your supply. And I'm going to tell you something. We're coming to a day when you need to know that God does your supply. 
Get out of your mind what they're doing at these stores. Get out of your mind what you can do to fix the problem. You can't save enough food in your shelter or wherever it is to handle the problem. We need God. And go on to chapter 17. Look at verse 3. And the people thirsted there for water. Again, another problem. And the people murmured against Moses and said, Wherefore or why is this that thou hast brought us out of Egypt to kill us, our children and our cattle with thirst? And Moses said unto the Lord, listen to this, What shall I do unto these pe this people? They be almost ready to stone me. The very deliverer, the very one that stood before them and said, listen to the voice of God and we're going to come out of Egypt. The very one that stood at the Red, at the Red Sea and laid down the staff and parted the sea and they went through that land. They went through on dry land. The very one. But here they are whining again and again, ready to stone Moses. Look at verse all the way down to chapter 32. I know I'm doing some skipping, but this is the way I feel like I'd do it. In uh, chapter 1 of verse 30, uh, ver, or chapter 32, verse 1, it says, And when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mountain, he went up to get the law, the people gathered themselves together unto Aaron and said unto him, up, make us gods, which shall go before us. How many knows they're already going right back into Egypt again? That's what they did in Egypt. They worshiped false gods. So what do they do? They start whining. Help, telling Aaron, up and make us gods, which shall go before us. For as this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we know not what has become of him. So right now, they've turned. Again, they've turned. They're looking for somebody else to lead them. Look at verse 4 of 32. It says, And he received them at their hand and fastened it with a graven tool, talking about Aaron, and he made it a molten calf. And they said, listen to what they said, These be the God, thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt. All of a sudden now, and listen to me, God's a jealous God. I want you to understand something. God delivered him. Can you imagine being God? And he's delivered them. He's did all the things to get them to where they're at, and yet they're ready to start worshiping and giving praise to some false God for bringing them out. They've already turned on Moses. They've already turned on God. I want you to turn over to... The book of Numbers, and I want you to look at verse or chapter eleven. And the mixed multitude, verse four, and the mixed multitude of Numbers eleven, verse four, and the mixed multitude, which is Egyptians that came with them. There's some Egyptians that came with them when they left Egypt. But it says, the mixed multitude that was among them fell a lusting. And the children of Israel also wept again and said, who shall give us flesh to eat? Now listen to the memory of what they're thinking of. We remember the fish which we did eat in Egypt freely. The cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, the garlic. But now our soul is dried up. There's nothing at all besides this manna before our eyes. Now we're complaining of what God has given them. Now listen to me. You can look down at Egypt or at Israel all your life and think they were terrible. But I'm telling you that's what we're doing. God has given us supplies to walk for him. But we keep looking at what somebody else does or what somebody else has got. And we keep thinking that's what we want. Listen, it ain't about what you want. It's about what God wants. It's about the plan he has in your life. 
And if you don't let God bloom you, if you don't let God fulfill you, and what you have to do is make up your mind, I'm running on with him. Doesn't matter what gets in my way, I'm going forward. Look at Numbers 14, chapter 14. Verse 1. This is after the spies came back. Now I want you to understand there's a lot happened in a short time. Didn't take them a long time to go to the promised land. But God told them to get the 12 and send them across and have them to spy out the land. Get a good report and bring it back. That's what God told Moses to tell them. And they went. Picked one of every tribe. And it says here, in verse 1 of 14 numbers, and all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night. Why? Because 10 of them said, We can't take the land. 10 of them said, It's too much. The giants, the walls, you remember Jericho? They saw all these things when they went in to spy the land out. They said, No way we can win this battle. There's no way you and I can go through this land with COVID trying to stop us, our government trying to stop us. They're trying to shut churches down. They're trying to mask you so you'll keep your mouth shut. Nobody can understand what you're saying. I'm sorry. That's the way I look at it. Sometimes it's just basic, simple stuff. But the truth is God wants us to speak up for him. God wants us to stand in the gap and speak truth. And they can't handle truth. It says in verse 2, And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron. And the whole congregation said unto them, Would God that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would God we had died in the wilderness? Wherefore hath the, hath the Lord brought us unto this land, to fall by the sword, that our wives and our children should be a prey? Were it not better for us to return to Egypt? Can you see it? Listen to the next verse. And they said one to another, let us make a captain and let us return to Egypt. Now I'm going to tell you something, Christian. Some people don't believe you can lose your salvation. When I see people that walks right back into the world, I've seen them when they've come, they've wept, they've cried, they've repented. They proclaimed his name. They live a little short time. And what do you find? You'll find them back out into the world doing exactly what they did before and claiming that day of salvation while they're living for the world. And I'm going to tell you something. You can accept it any way you like. But the truth is you're going to face God. And I'm going to tell you something. You better be right. Because you're not going to get the second chance when you get up there. It'll be time for God to bring judgment. And I will tell you, God's people are drifting out of the church one after another. I talked to many people last night. They told me they weren't going to church no more. And I kept looking at them. Why? Well, we got tired. They had a little split. We didn't like this. We didn't like I thought the enemy's working overtime. I'm talking about people that used to live for God. People that used to throw their hands in the air and praise God. Something's going to get in your way, Christian. Something's going to work against you all the time. The enemy is not going to be happy with you walking with God. It's not going to be all cushiony roads. There's going to be some bumps in the road. Second Corinthians. I'm going to the New Testament. You don't have to turn there if you want, but I'm going to the fifth chapter of 17. It says, therefore, listen to this, Christian. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's what? A new creature. Old things are passed away. More or less, I've been delivered out of sin. I've been delivered out of bondage. Old things are passed away. Quit worrying about yesterday. Quit bringing up how great of a, a, a jerk you was when you was a sinner. I'm sorry, junkie you was, whatever you was. I shouldn't say something, but I say it. But the truth is, I'm embarrassed to who I was. But Jesus set me free. 
He brought me out of the bondage to myself. I was bound to try to be the best guy I could be for me. But Jesus showed me a better light. He brought the truth to my face. He brought me under conviction. I knew I was lost. And he showed me that he had loved me and he would picked me up and he would set me on the right road. And I walked that road a little bit and sometimes I'll drift off and God will get me. I might fall down or whatever. God picked me back up and put me back on that road. And if I'm willing to repent and to walk with him, he has picked me up so many times and he's loved me. So quit letting the devil tell you you ain't a Christian no more. Get back into the race and begin to continue to walk in the presence of God and in his word. Put it inside of you. Begin to feed on the right things and you won't be listening to what the world's doing. I can never, I ain't got no money. I ain't got no money. I couldn't live in certain places. I visit sometimes. Go on a vacation, I can visit a nicer place. But I can't afford nothing. That's all right. Me and my wife's been happy. We've been sadly, poorly happy all our lives. <laughs> we always see everybody else with the best. But it's okay. You know what? We've been happy. And I want to be joyful about what I have inside of me. Because I can tell you right now, sometimes I get in places and I look at people that's got it all, seemingly but they don't know Jesus. And I feel so sorry for them. I think, oh God, show them you love them. Show them all of that means nothing. How do they ever get saved until they can turn it loose? Jesus told the rich young ruler, sell all that you have and take up your cross and follow me. But he had too much. He couldn't let go. Something had him. DJ, he had his God inside of him. That money and the things that he had was his, God, was his God. He couldn't let go and serve God. He couldn't see it. 2 Corinthians six seventeen says, Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and I will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Praise God. I will tell you something. He tells you come out and be separate. Then I'll tell you something. There's a separation needs to be made. It's not a I'll play half in and half out. There's a separation. God's talking to you. He's talking to me. Then he says, having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Acts 20, 22. Apostle Paul said this. And now behold, verse, it's chapter 20, verse 22. It says, and now behold, I go bound in the spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witnesses in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. How many knows Paul knew every time he went with the gospel in his, uh, in his heart to present it to a city, guess what he knew was coming? Bonds and afflictions. Somebody was going to do their best to shut him up. Christian, are you that tough? Are we tough or are we hiding in a corner hoping somebody else will come along that's got the nerve to speak up? There's a place for every one of us to stand. I can't tell you you have to be here, but you got to be somewhere standing for Jesus. Because you're going to meet people I don't meet. You're going to uh, uh, be across, come across people that you're accountable to. He goes on to say, but none of these things move me. I like that, what Paul said. None of these things move me. I know those bonds, and I know they're going to come after me, but that don't move me. I ain't worried about that. God take care of me. And that's why he sang when he's in prison. That's why he was rejoicing no matter where he was at. He didn't care. You know why? He's on a mission for his Savior. He's on a mission to make it home. And he's going to tell everybody that God lets him tell, Jesus loves you. 
And he wants to change your heart, your life. He wants to make you whole inside. He wants to give you the reason you were born in this life. To be born again. To be set free. To live as his child. We not only have this, this beautiful life here now, but we have a promise of tomorrow. You don't get that promise from nobody else. But none of these things move me, neither can I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. In Philippians, you've all heard this. Paul said it to the Philippian church in verse 12 of 3, chapter 3. Now, not as though I had already attained, Paul said, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind me and reaching forth unto the things that are before, I press toward the mark. I press toward the mark. Are you pressing toward the mark? Are you setting out? Are you pressing in? Press on. He, Larry, you say press on. We sung it last night in that wedding. Press on. Yeah, there's opposition coming. Yeah, there's all kinds of things happening. I talked to one of the Larry's neighbors when you all first built the house, I guess. And he come to me and he told me, he said, I told Larry, he come to me and started trying to witness to me. And he said, I looked at him and said, there's a lot of people tried to tell me about Jesus and his Bible. But he says, you know what I want to see? I'm going to see somebody live. And then he started crying. He said to me, Larry showed me. Larry showed me what a man of God was. And he said, he convinced me. That's what he said to him. And I could help crying with him. That's your neighbor was in the wedding. I don't know what he's... Yeah, I know. But I'm telling you what, he was happy. He had to tell somebody. He had to tell somebody. You have no idea how much people are lost in looking for the truth. I have no idea what people's looking for. They're looking for somebody to reach out and love them and tell them that Jesus will forgive them and set them free and they can belong to him. Personal. He'll know your name. Let your kids see. Sing it. Press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling in God, of God in Christ Jesus. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the Becky, you come back up. If the clock's right, we'll be close to getting out on time. Probably first time in a year. But I want to tell you something. We'll stay here all day if you need to get saved. It's altar's open. If you need to talk to the Lord, if you need somebody to pray with you, we'll be here. We ain't nobody, but I know what? Jesus is compelling those to come in. Why? I believe the time is near. I believe the days are coming. I think you can see it. You don't have to ask me. You can find it throughout Scripture, but you can watch the news and see something's wrong. Something's wrong in this world. Nobody wants to face the truth. There is no justice no more. We don't see it nowhere. Jesus said, 
Ninth chapter of Luke, 62nd verse. Jesus said unto him, No man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. So listen to me, Christian. Quit looking back. Quit thinking about yesterday's world. My grandson comes over and he wants to see pictures when I was young. <laughs> I thought, and I look at those pictures and it makes me sad. <laughs> and I look and I had muscles and, you know, and all that stuff. And he's, and he's young, so he likes to gloat. You know, hey, Grandpa, look at these. You know. I get tickled at him. But I think, you know what? That's not me. That was a little bit of a flare-up for my own self. But can I tell you, what Jesus did in me is real. It's alive. I come here every week never knowing what he's going to do. I show up to things and I say, oh, Lord, only you can do this. Only you can move these mountains in here and reach lost souls. And that's what we need to do. Get in the race. Don't look back no more. Quit trying to pick up your old self. Jesus set you free. He delivered you. He delivered the children of Israel by a mighty hand. You've all heard it all your life. That ought to tell you how great your salvation is. Jesus paid the greatest price for you and I that can be included in this plan of salvation. And all he expects you to do is hold on to him. He'll take you through. He'll lead you the way that you need to go. We try to do some things. God gives you credit for trying. But he wants you to listen to his voice. Pray and seek his face. Because he'll speak to you if you listen. He'll guide you. I've had him say things to me at funerals or weddings or, or just in a sermon sometimes. And sometimes I'm just shaking my head, Lord, I have no idea how to bring that forward. But God says, that's what I want you to say. And you know what? Sometimes I wrestle with it for days. But then I see God move. And I say, oh, God, I'm just a vessel. You're just a vessel. You pray about a lost person you work with. You pray about a lost family member. And then you watch the hand of God move. It's not you. It's him in you. He'll reach through you. But he needs vessels that are committed to him. Committed to his presence. I know this is a simple message. But I think it's a true message. It's true to what we're doing today. It's true what our world's going through. Christians, it's time to go forward. Keep going forward. Sometimes you're facing things that I don't know. I don't understand how it happened, why it happened, or what. But I'll tell you, don't let the devil stop you because what you have a hold of is eternal. He will bring these things to the truth, and he'll bring these things to where you're rejoicing in the end. And I thank him for that. Thank him for everything he does. I have prayed for your brother last night. Who struck me when, when they went over and hugged him? He just started bawling. And I, I knew then God was working on him. I told Dran, later I said, Dran, he's next. <laughs> I said, you know what? God loves him. God. And he needs to see. Ain't it good that God's a gracious God? Waits on us all of our life. Then there he is. With his sweet hand of mercy. We don't deserve. If you need to get saved today, this is the day. If you need to draw close to God. If you need to recommit yourself to the Lord. I'm putting you first in all things. I'm walking with you. I'm going forward for you. Not about me, it's for you. I want to live for you. Apostle Paul, he erased everything else that he used to be and wanted to be. 
He just wanted to be a child of God. He said, I know nothing save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Praise God. Everyone stand if you will. You come while they sing. When the valley is deep and the mountain is steep, when the body grows weary, when we stumble and fall, when the sent him to take supplies to the brothers that was in the war and he walked up there and he saw that giant hollering at him I thought a lot of times he should if he'd have just listened to his brothers he'd have did like most people do I'll just ignore this it ain't my fight but you know what David did he said isn't there a cause well, I want to tell you something, young or old, I don't care how old you are, there's a cause for you to live for Jesus. He's coming soon. We have a lost world, and God's looking for somebody to stand in the gap. I believe we got people here that want to stand in the gap. They want to say, Lord, you showed me where to put my foot down next you give me the words to say and I'm saying that's who we got to be and when you come here you can rejoice with those because see I could talk to every one of you every one of you got a testimony about how you got saved but you know what I love it and I rejoice with you but the world needs to hear what happened to you they need to hear it. and David would not have had that testimony had not David spoke up and said who is this uncircumcised Philistine talking against the God of Israel who is he this world can't shut us down we'll be alive and we'll be shouting his name when he comes in the clouds to get us and that's the person God wants us to be that's the church he's coming for. Be ready. Stay ready. Stay in love with him. He's done all he needs to do for you. It's just you putting yourself in his arms. Saying, Lord, I want to live for you. I want to do better than I was doing yesterday. Lord, and it was said when, I believe, Dran, when you pray, give us a greater love put a greater love in us. Lord, help us to fall all over again in love with you. To begin to be excited. I used to go to the railroad on Monday 
and I had to tell somebody what happened in church on Sunday. And them guys at work didn't like me at all when I talk about that. They get nervous when I tell them, oh, you got you to know what happened yesterday in church. And they'd look at me like, I don't want to hear this. But you know what I couldn't keep quiet about? Because God was doing miraculous things. God's still doing miraculous things. And he will do miraculous things. And I've seen that. I see it moving. He's trying to do miraculous things in every family and every home. But he needs somebody to be willing to proclaim it. Praise God.